Modern Thrive Health. Ben Sie, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I'm following you for approximately two years already, and you have one of the most interesting minds in the strength and conditioning fields, in my personal point of view, and I'm very happy to like talk to you today. Um, what kind of made you shift towards like focusing on the mind so much in order to accomplish peak performance with your athletes? Hey, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, so everybody kind of gets the same results and, and I'm not okay with that. You know, I, I, if, if you have gone through the same problem five times in your career, right, it, it's time to, 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 to move on. And so one, one thing that I, uh, is made the transition towards mental performance as, as, as something in the forefront is, is just, it's, it's effective. You know, everything starts there. Um, when you are able to kind of get the athlete's mind and their desire pointed in the right direction, these other things are just details. These other things take care of themselves, you know, and that took me a long time to understand. I used to think, oh, you know, if I just had this, the perfect program and, and just A through Z was perfect, then the athlete would be perfect, you know, and there was, it was too much of a, uh, my approach used to be a little more more scientific i would say but it's all it was also very regimented and um you know there wasn't as much art to it as it is nowadays and you you probably started following me right when i made that transition to um you know more of an of an artistic type of type of thing and i, I think that ultimately is what gets people to um you know world class it gets them beyond elite is is when you start Uh, becoming an artist in your pursuit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting to go beyond the scientist's kind of perspective of what's the optimal plan, what's the optimal dietary strategy, what's the optimal training protocol into a more kind of, yeah, almost intuitive realm, right? So how can yes. we quantify that? Is it even possible? How do you even work with people? How can you teach that? Can you teach intuition? Man, that, that's a that's a good that's a great question. Um, teaching intuition is probably you cannot. I guess you cannot just tell someone what to do if if that's what you're asking. No, you cannot. But what you can do is if somebody comes to you and they already have, let's say, steps one through three figured out, right? You could give them steps four and five, and they can give. I call it permission is they give themselves the permission to, um, to, to go ahead and take steps four and five. You know, um, I, I wouldn't say you can teach somebody, but you can, you can guide them in the right direction. Um, if they have what it takes inside of them and having what it takes inside of them really comes from one is sincerity. One is wisdom. One is desire. You know, there's a lot of things that make up an athlete and especially the world-class athletes or the, the highest level performers, these people are, are just built differently. You know, their, their mind is, is built differently and they understand not just their pursuit differently, but they understand how things work differently. They don't have, for example, an ego when it comes to, um, 
you know, outcomes, right? Like, like you, you'll see the highest level performers in any, any pursuit. It's not that they don't care about the outcome, but they already know where they're going. So, so one bump in the road isn't going to destroy their confidence, for example. Right. And these are, these are mm-hmm. like, you know, these are things that when you understand these things, strength conditioning is, is, is a small blip on the, on the radar. Uh, obviously it's still very important, but you, you need to understand the bigger picture because without the bigger picture, you can't get to the, you cannot arrive at the destination. So that's kind of things that I've, maybe change my perspective on over the years and lean more towards mental performances because I've put in many, many hours of effort into some athletes, for example, only to just be disappointed in, in, in them and myself. It should really just be myself in that they didn't get to where I believed they could go. And, and that, um, mm. that was frustrating to me. And so th- that right there is why, um, you know, I started digging deeper into, you know, how things work, you know, how do you become world-class? How do you, how do you, what separates the elite from the mediocre and what separates the elite from the, the truly elite, like the number, number one through five in the world, you know, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's hard to say what exactly separates them, but I will tell you one thing about people who are great in anything is that there's no copies. They are no copies mm-hmm. of that individual. So it's always about the individual. Mm-hmm. Would you say it takes a visionary mindset in order to achieve like real peak levels of athletic performance? So what I'm hearing when I when I hear you talk is that someone needs to come to you and he needs to be a visionary. He needs to say, hey, I have this 10-year vision, this 15-year vision. I know I can be the best in that sport. I know I can be a top performer. I know it already. I just need to kind of execute it. I can see it already. So if someone comes to you with that kind of mindset, what else does it take in order for him or her to reach that level? Um, somebody coming to you with that mindset is, you know, the way you put it, I'm going to say that that's genuine the way you put it. Right. But there are a lot of people mm. also be fake. that, that mm-hmm. yes, they, they come to me a lot of times where, they they say that you know and 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 usually those people i can tell right away because they put the cart before the horse you know oh i want to be world champion you know i want to be ufc champion you know you have not fought in in, in a regional uh, feeder show like if for example we we have in, um, in the united states we, we, obviously you know the ufc right but we have shows like lfa like a local show right or a regional show right if you have not fought on a regional show and you're telling me you know, coach, I want to be UFC champion. You're, you're putting the cart before the horse, you know? And so um, to answer your question of what does it take first is this is what it takes to get anything in life, especially anything great is it takes sincerity. Okay. So Mm -hmm. does this athlete come to the table with a genuine desire to be great at this pursuit? Okay. I need to know that. For, for a fact mm-hmm. okay before i and can it's great that you commit. said it's great that you said pursuit because they're not after the outcome necessarily right of course exactly it's great to be uc champion but it is the pursuit itself which drives yes. them forward mm-hmm. it cannot be an ulterior motive so i have a lot of athletes who come to me who are you know they're not they're not bad they're not elite but they're 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 good 
but they 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 want to be a uh, champion because they they want the money or they want the fame you know that, that's an ulterior motive okay and and what happens with people like that is they will they will go to maybe half of the trainings that I have or they'll they'll put in half the effort or they'll put in whatever effort they think is sufficient to get the reward but if you don't have genuine love for the pursuit like if you don't you know why why did Kobe show up at 3 a.m. to shoot, you know, free throws and, and practice like way more than other people. He loved it. He had no choice. You know, he had no choice but to. And so that that's not hard work for Kobe. That's just that's like your house is on fire and you know, you need to get out. That's that to him is is practice. For a normal person, that might the practice might be like a grind, you know, it might be hard work, it might take a lot of effort. And so genuineness and, and, and being sincere in your pursuit is, is that's really the, the, the question, you know? So when athletes come to me and they, and they have a genuine desire to be good at this pursuit, it will show in, over time, not immediately, but it will show over time, right? So when it's time to uh, study the sport, like watch tape, are you available? Are you, are you interested? You know, if you're not, then, you know, you, you don't love the sport. You, you, you love something else about the sport. Maybe you love showing your, your skills off in the sport, but you, you don't enjoy other people uh, showing their skills off in the sport because you don't actually enjoy the sport. You enjoy you showing off in the sport. You know, that is a very common thing in a lot of athletes that, that don't watch tape, for example. You know, they'll make excuses like, oh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to study, you know, I don't want to play into my opponent's game. That's just not the, truth at the highest level you know we'll go to any highest level sport for example football nfl millions of dollars online you know per minute you 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 tell me you're not going to watch tape on the other team if if it's you know the chargers are playing the bears it, it, what are you talking about this is ridiculous and so these things kind of can happen in uh other like more amateur sports like jujitsu for example right so so sports that are not fully developed yet i get a lot of these types of athletes who, who don't have the sincerity yet okay it can mature over time but the one thing it takes for sure when an athlete wants to become world class or or even just to become past elite at anything is it, it takes desire it takes sincerity it takes love for the sport itself or for the pursuit itself and not for the ulterior motive of what the sport or the pursuit can offer you. This is a very, very, uh, very important distinction that a lot of coaches probably don't understand. How can you make that decision or that distinction um, come to mind of the athlete? You know, if they are self-deceiving themselves, maybe you know, Maybe it's obvious to you, but maybe it's not obvious to them. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. How how do I? Well, you know, as a coach, I can't. Are you just straightforward? Well, it, it depends, right? It, it depends on the situation. If I, I just these things all kind of happen on an individual basis. I, I need to know where the athletes at. You know, in their career. You know, if they've gotten to the UFC with that mm -hmm. attitude. Um, You know, there, there might might need to salvage some 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 time here because 
you, you can't just throw away a career like that. But I will say that if that athlete is trying to be UFC champion with the mindset of, you know, I just want the money or the fame or the respect or, you know, finally my friends will, will, will you know, like me, this is not, that's not going to get you to the highest level. Okay. It, it, mm-hmm. it, if it does, then, then the level of the entire sport is low, you know, or you're, yeah. you're a once in a generation or talent, you know, or you're that just, just one, doesn't one hit wonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. You, you might win one year, you know, you might win the, the belt once and then, you know, immediately fall straight off, you know, because the, yeah. you, you will have accomplished your goal. You know, you'll have gotten the fame or the money or whatever it was that this belt or, or whatever gets you. And then why train? You know, why, why, why get up? You know, so that desire, that hunger needs to be for the, the entire thing. You know, so the best athletes, in, in, for example, in the UFC are the ones that love the process. They love signing autographs. They love, you know, you know, being the, the center of attention. They love, you know, fighting. They love training. They love, you know, eating like an athlete. They love cutting weight. Like it's, it's all part of the process. You know, and when I see athletes that are like, oh, I hate, you know, this one aspect of the sport, it's always, uh, it, it, it's hard to hear because that if you hate one aspect of the sport that actually bothers you, um, how bad do you really want it? You know, because usually those aspects you hate are very not time consuming compared to the actual sport itself. So what you're really complaining about most of the time is the sport itself, you know? So, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that, that's, that's the main thing that I, I, again, the main thing is, is desire. You know, I, I cannot make somebody see something they have to, see it for themselves i can give them permission that's it mm-hmm. all right let's say someone has these qualities yeah and you want to bring them to the next level you want to kind of make them experience their body go beyond science into this more intuitive kind of realm i could imagine that training in that kind of scenario looks very very different than someone would imagine a typical strength and conditioning training session to be like um so so you're saying like uh, somebody who has the qualities that that can be you know a, a mm-hmm. greatest of all time type of person like a uh yeah or like he just Michael he possesses yes mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, that's the question like how often do you came come across a potential michael jordan but someone who is like Never. he's quite sincere <laughs> yeah probably He's sincere, he has a long-term vision, he is realistic about it, he wants to work. But then in order to get him to that level, right, I imagine you have to, or the goal would be to get him into this intuitive kind of feeling mindset where he understands the techniques on a like almost intuitive, no-brain activity level. He's not, okay, this is step one, this is step two, my coach told me, move the hip, tip the toes, But like it's more like oh, I can feel my body moving. I can feel the fascia, the muscles inside of me. I'm not. I cannot name it. Yeah, I cannot write a history book about it. But it is like something which helps me perform. And I think this is so hard yeah. to teach, right? How do we get to there? Is it something um, which is just so, born and you just like have it or you don't have it? Um, well, there's definitely some probably genetic component to what you're describing is like the flow state, basically, is the state of no mind, mm-hmm. you know, is to be because that's where learning happens. You know, that that's really where people learn is in that state of no mind in the effortless, in the effortlessness state, 
You know, you don't learn when you're grinding through shit and being, you know, you learn when you're, when you're effortlessly doing things, those, that's when the, 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 the you know, body kind of retains the memory. Um, so, I mean, the, man, ask your question one more time, Tim. Sorry. Okay. I, I, you said one thing that was important that I wanted to highlight, but, but I want I need to hear your question one more time. You have someone who's, who's ready for it, right? But you want to teach him how to attain like this flow state, how to yes. transcend the scientific and go into the, whatever it is, I don't even know how to call it. Like this intuitiveness, you know, you know, probably Ido Portal, he talks about this yes. movement practitioner. He talks about like kind of feeling the movement, right? It's almost like dancing. Yes. Like if you, for example, look at Adesanya, right? In the ring, right? like the way he has distance to his opponent and the way he's like tapping him and the way he moves, like this is not something out of a book or this is not something that his coach taught him. He's like, he's like very dancey he's like very artsy right so is that yeah, he's something flowing. Just, he's just flowing blown with it yes mm. um yeah yeah, yeah I, I know exactly what, uh so so these things i feel like go go together right the, the desire the sincerity and the ability to enter into the flow state i think those things go together right when your desire for the the sport or the pursuit is pure right you don't come to the to the sport or the game needing something you don't need you don't have an expectation of oh i i need the money that's going to come from this fight or i need the the fame that's going to come from this fight right because your desire and your sincerity in the sport is so high you're, you're just out there doing what you love you know and and, and yes there's going to be pressure there's going to be you know the social you know stuff the the the, the it could be overwhelming to some people i, I get that right but The, the people who are, 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 you know, like an Adesanya, who's, you know, he's a one of one, you know, you don't, you can't find another Adesanya, right? These, this guy loves to train and to fight, you know, how many kickboxing matches does this guy have? You know, he has, mm, it's a yeah. part of his life, you know, it's a part of his life. And so, so, so when you ask like how to teach this stuff, um, one, one thing I think it's important for, for all coaches is, it's not really what you teach the athlete. So somebody like Adesanya, if you were to contact me for, for mental performance or, or any kind of training, the first thing I need to really understand as a coach is, is not like, Oh, how can I add things to, to this guy's regimen and make him better? You know, how do I make him uh, a better athlete and improve performance? Really, that's not that to me, that's every strength conditioning coach's approach. And it's always the wrong approach, you know, because Performance is not really a goal. You know, it's not something that you, you, you can't set out and make performance like the goal, you know, because performance is really the side effect of, of what happens, right? So, so really, when it comes to somebody like Adesanya, the first thing that a coach should do is, is, is know that you could do great harm to an athlete like that with the wrong mm. approach. So you as the coach need to be in constant fear of, of screwing up the natural talent of somebody as talented as Adesanya. That's the number one thing that a coach of any kind needs. Get out of the way, okay? Get out of the way, all right, number one. Number two is, it wouldn't apply to Adesanya because he's already world-class at the thing that he's doing, right? But, but find whatever it is that your athlete is world-class in and 
or or has the potential to become world class in and and that is the thing in which you should uh cultivate more and more skill in that thing you know so Adesanya had obviously skill for striking right so i wouldn't immediate you know if I, if, he, if i got him when he was a, a brand new athlete i i couldn't coach him because i'm not a striking coach i'm a jujitsu coach right so so i would see that right away and i'd be like okay well you know this guy has a knack for striking you know get out of the way and don't try to teach him a bunch of weird grappling things that yeah. i might know it's that, that that's getting you know this is so important for most coaches that that there's no way i could say this enough times for people to understand more coaches extinguish talent from their athletes than cultivate talent from their athletes. Okay. And that was another reason why I made a shift into the direction that I made uh, when it came to strength conditioning and performance is because, you know, when an athlete comes to you, right, you, you should really be cultivating the talent that they have as opposed to trying to unlock or add to their performance in a way that improves their performance. Okay. That just doesn't work. Nobody that I know of that approaches things from that standpoint, let's add these things. Let's wear these socks. Let's add these exercises to improve performance. Nobody that I know has, has really built any world-class athletes that way, but I have seen people build world-class athletes using the reverse uh, approach, which is to, find out what it is exactly that is inhibiting performance. Mm-hmm. So for, for an athlete like Adesanya, I would never say, hey, you know, Israel, I need to, we need to add ice baths and massage and whatever, right? That might help. I'm not saying it won't help, but I'm saying that that mindset of adding to improve is what most coaches have. And that's why most coaches are unsuccessful. You know, how many world championship co- coaches are there? Right. The approach, in my opinion, is take out what is getting in the way. Right. So I would say, you know, it's a very direct approach. So when's the last time Israel lost? He lost to Jan Blakovich. Right. It, it was a it was a light heavyweight fight. Right. So so we take that exact match and we take exactly why he lost and we take the approach of exactly what he needs to do to, in a rematch, win that match. And that directly improves performance because those are the things that um, he didn't do. Those things, when done, the performance automatically improves, right? By way of a win, hopefully. So yeah. that, that, that's really, that approach is, is backwards compared to most people you've probably talked to, which is add this, add this, you know, we're not doing that. Let's add that, you know, and then it just, it's just, it's, you know, it doesn't work. That, that's what mm-hmm. I found over the years. Yeah, that's a very that's a beautiful approach. It's like you as a coach, you're more like a gardener, and you're trying to like find out what makes the plant grow. You doesn't need to add any fertilizers, but if it's growing by itself, you just try to like get it out of the way to let it blossom, so to speak, right? And that's especially yes. true of like high level talents. Now, I would say when someone really as a beginner or as an amateur comes, he probably needs a lot of building, right? You know, it leads of He, know, he needs a lot of add this, add that. This is a new technique. Learn this, learn that. And then yes, it should be like a beginner, sponge. Yes. It should be like a sponge, right? And then as it goes high level, well, now we're like, okay, you're already that big flower. Okay, I don't need to add anything. I just need to make you shine, right? 
So it wouldn't make sense for Adesanya, for example, to learn grappling because his striking is so superb that you only need to focus on that, right? That's his key strength. He needs to learn enough to get him out of the situation and focus on the thing that he is unmatched in, right? Like he's not going to even be able to match somebody like me in jiu-jitsu. And I'm just a, you know, I'm, I'm just an amateur type of coach, right? I could probably beat him on the mats in, in my world, but, but in, in the striking world, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to spit in his direction without getting knocked out. You know, I wouldn't be able to look in his direction. Without getting, so, so that is the direction which I would, you know, for example, if Adesanya came and, and needed a, a jujitsu coach, I would say, okay, you need a jujitsu coach. All right. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to add mm-hmm. a bunch of offensive moves in, in which you can try to hit them during the, the, the match. Okay. I'm not going to tell you to do leg locks. I'm not going to tell you to, you know, try to mount, you know, these things which could end you on the bottom and, and in which you, you give up your, your, your inherent massive advantage. It's not the way we're going to approach it. We're going to approach it in the opposite direction, you know, which is what part of jujitsu do you need to negate in, in, in your opponent's grappling in which you can then funnel them into your game, which is striking, you know, where, where can we exhaust them in the jujitsu world so that they can, they have no choice, but to strike with you. And, and really the answer is just two easy things. One is getting off the floor, being able to get up off of the floor from any position at will without taking damage and without being in danger of being submitted. And then the second thing is uh, if we ever get to this point, which would be to hold your opponent down in the event that they, you know, pulled guard or they, 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 they forced you down, you know, how, how do you stay on top? Because if you can't avoid the grappling situation, you need to make sure that you don't get swept. You don't get uh, submitted. Right. So th- those are very, those are opposite approaches. You know, you, I wouldn't teach him jujitsu to add into his jujitsu game. It's more about taking away the things uh, from, from jujitsu that would create problems for him. Mm-hmm. Shoring up those holes. Yes. Do you know, and that's a very tricky question, when to switch in an athlete's development from building up and adding skills towards, okay, now I'm trying to get out of the way and trying to kind of optimize him into the things he already is good at? How do you make that switch? Because I can imagine it's very difficult. To find that with Adesanya, it's a, it's easy because we're talking about a world champion. But what what someone who's just like coming up the, you know, the ladder? You can start from that um, filling in the hole approach from the beginning. You know, and, and I'm not, I'm talking about from from people who who are complete complete beginners. You know, I, I mean, it, it, if if your goal isn't to have fun in 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 like you know like for example, I have. I train, you know, average Joes. I, tra- I have a jiu-jitsu school. So, so I train like people who have nine to five job who just come in and have fun. Yeah, I can't, if I wanted to build them up in one year to be the best jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner ever, I wouldn't teach them in the way that I teach them normally because they need to have fun, you know? So, so let, let's take that out of the equation first. Okay. Let's take, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. take that. If we take that out of the equation, then we can start from the filling in holes approach from day one. One is, you know, Let's say it's a it's a very very talented striker, like a world class striker with no ground game, right? Zero. Like they came to me with Brock, you know, the opposite of Brock Lesnar, you know, a striker 
with with no ground game. Brock Lesnar was like a grappler with no striking, right? So the opposite, right? I would tell this person immediately to just focus on filling in the biggest hole in their game, which is Mm -hmm. you cannot be on the ground pinned, okay? If I can take you down and I can hold you down, you will lose the fight, okay? I do that three times, you lose the fight, okay? So the first thing you need to do is be able to get up off of the ground comfortably, okay? That is not a adding, okay? That is taking away, in my opinion, okay? Because it's taking away your opponent's ability to hold you down, okay? You have to approach it from that mindset. Otherwise, what happens is, oh, let's add let's add more things. Oh, let, you can get off the ground. Let's add a submission from the ground. No, no, no. We're, we don't need to add any more things, okay? The, 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 the whole purpose, get off of the ground, and don't let yourself take damage or be in threat of submission. That's that's it. Okay, that's it. We 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 focus on this so you can win fights with that alone, and then we move on to the next thing. Okay, then we move on to that, and then variations of getting off the ground. You know that that's it. That's filling in a hole as opposed to oh let's let's learn triangles. Let, let's let's learn arm bar from the bottom. Let's let's learn all of these submissions and and you know let's how to retain the guard. Who cares about those things? Okay, you're not going to use them anyway. And if you did, you'd get you'd get fucked up. So so don't so stop. Okay, just get off the ground. Okay, that that's how I approach. You know, I've had people in the UFC reach out to me for you know like weekend. They'll be here and I'll work with them for a weekend. We only have four days, right? We we, we work on like three things, like maybe maybe one thing, but but two different things that are based off of that one thing. So you know, yeah. I had a fighter come in recently, exact same approach I just told you the guy couldn't was starting a body lock he couldn't get up I held him there for this guy's in the UFC I, I held this guy here for for two minutes I was exhausted but you know I'm not a professional fighter but if I can hold you down for two minutes you have big problems okay? you have big big problems so we spent eight hours a day on on different ways to to you know get to the turtle and the stand up and four point all this stuff and at the end of the 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 four days or so that we trained like probably close to like 30 hours. Um, I couldn't hold this guy down for five seconds. It was just, I grab him. He's up. I grab him. He's up. I'm exhausted by 30 seconds. in. You know, that's, that's a direct yeah. improvement of performance without adding, uh, not adding anything, you know, it, it's taking away a weakness. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's so practical. I really like it. Because oftentimes in like modern training approaches, it it becomes so fancy, right? We want to have this technique yeah. and that technique, and we're like this like huge Swiss Army knife, but like nothing is really polished. And I think a lot of I think it should be for strength conditioning too. That that should be the mm-hmm. same approach. You know why why are you doing squats every day if if you know your legs are already too big and you know you, you have problem mm. with your with your. Uh, you know, the problem that you have is, 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 is a triple extension, for example, right? You, 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 you do not have a good mat return. Your, your back suplex mat return sucks. I've seen you do it. It does not good. You, you know, you need to work on triple extension, stop squatting. You know, you need to do, you need to do, you know, swings, you need to do uh, high poles, you need, you need to do something else, right? So the whole strength conditioning session is based off of filling in a hole. You know, maybe we never squat, mm-hmm. you know, some, some of my athletes, why do you squat? You know, we don't even need to do push-up. Hey, forget push-up. You, you need to row, you know, your, your pulling strength sucks, your isometric strength sucks, you know? And so that's why these cookie cutter, this is why I stopped posting strength conditioning stuff. You know, it was too, it's too general, you know, like I could mm-hmm. post four or five exercises 
and, and say, hey, do this, you know, five sets of five, you know, whatever. But then to, to the wrong person, I'm literally doing harm to them, right? So, so if I post any exercises from here on out, I just make sure it's very specific. It's like, these are for me, or this is for this athlete. You know, it's not, don't, don't do this, yeah, yeah. you know, for random. Or As inspiration just, yeah. content. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I like, I like fit. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I like fitness content as an inspiration. So, for example, to get if I know I have a certain problem and I need a specific exercise for it, and then just scrolling and I see something which is very like innovative, I haven't seen it before, and I'm like, oh yeah, I could try that. That that that's great. But definitely, yeah, yeah. like individualizing strength and conditioning for the athlete. And as you mentioned, you're probably going and looking at the combat sports specific movements and then adding training sessions which kind of mimic that kind of movement right instead of hey, yeah. doing that kind of program yeah more so taking away at mm -hmm. taking away the the weakness that they have right everybody has a weakness you know i could name my own weaknesses I, i'm not very powerful and my endurance is not high so so i would train in that direction if it was for me muscular endurance and um you know uh, uh athleticism and power you know that's why i uh I do a lot of stability training. I do a lot of isometric training for myself. And, uh, you know, really I get all my, my fitness levels from, is from jujitsu nowadays. You know, I just don't have time to, you know, most strength coaches, the, the ones that are, you know, busy anyway, they're not on a, they're not on a regimented program themselves. You know, I, I'm in the gym. Sometimes I can only do a set of swings and a pull up and, and, and a couple of pull ups and, 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 you know, push ups to failure. And that's it. That's the day, you know? So, um, it's just, it, it's really, it depends, everything it depends on the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why we need coaches, right? That's why like some online program is not enough, especially when it comes to athletic performance. I, I think everybody on some level needs to be their own coach, even if they have a coach, you know, let's say mm. I have a, an athlete, right? The athletes that I train there at the highest level, They are always their own coach. And, and, and even if it just means that they're, they're responsible for their own outcomes, that's enough. Okay? But, but I want them usually to be everything. I want them to, to, to have ideas. You know, oh, today I, I feel like I should do this. I feel like the body wants to do this today instead of, instead mm -hmm. of that. Okay? Oh, well, you know, that's, that's, that's what you're talking about in intuition. You know, those, those things are, are very, very, very powerful. And um, the more we do cookie cutter stuff and, and follow each other and, and, and mimic each other, the more we lose those things. And, um, you know, just, 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 just pull out any, any one of one athlete in, in any sport, right? Connor McDavid in hockey, you can pull out, you know, uh, you know, wh whoever, you know, uh, Steph Curry. These guys don't have cookie cutter programs. You know, they're, mm. I would say their, their strength conditioning program, their, their training regiment outside of their main pursuit, which is basketball. A lot of times you, you'd be surprised how chaotic it is. You know, like I've trained people in the NBA and like they have no, they have no regiment. You know, they come in, just do what, what, you know, they have a strength coach that might shoot you some exercises that are all very, you know, pretty generic to be honest, but, but they're not consistent with it. You know, they're, they're just, they do what they can, you know, because strength conditioning as much as, you know, I wish it had a bigger impact in, in, in uh, sports performance. It's just not as 
it's not that big of a piece. You know, it, it's coaches like to give themselves a lot of credit for, for whatever, you know, coaches should give themselves mm-hmm. credit for getting out of the way. Most of the time, you know, most of the successful athletes have coaches that, that just know how to get out of the way. And those are the more, more successful coaches. Actually, if you just look at the evidence, that's mm-hmm. just what it is. You know, the coaches that get in the way that, that try to, you know, tweak everything and, and, and change things optimally. Those doesn't even, they burn out. They don't work. You know, that doesn't work. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to come back to something you said earlier, um, yeah. which kind of goes into this idea of wisdom versus advice. So yeah. as I understood you, a real good coach is someone who conveys wisdom, right? But what is the difference between wisdom and advice? Um, well, advice, it never works. Okay? You give somebody advice, you might as well, you might as well sprinkle confetti on their head and hope that they turn into mm. a pumpkin. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Okay. If you don't believe me, examine all the times you've given people advice and it, you might as well have sprinkled fairy dust on them and hope they turn into uh, the tooth fairy. It doesn't, it just doesn't work. Okay. Wisdom is is when the person has an experiential knowledge of the thing that you're talking about, right? So if somebody has been in that situation and understands it truly and deeply because they have felt it, they were there, they they've seen it happen with their own eyes, they felt suffering because of it, you know, there's a very experiential knowledge there. That is wisdom. And that is, you cannot... Uh, usually convey wisdom what you can do is you can give somebody permission to act upon the wisdom that they've already acquired in their own life either through a personal experience or they've witnessed it which is a personal experience you know like you'll hear um you know like like an example would be would be like uh i've had many businesses right so so i i understand Uh, certain personal experiences in business have led me to a certain point, right? So I now know that, for example, this is just one of my business uh, tenants, I guess you could call it. I don't really have any rules, but if I had one, this would be one. Is I care most about integrity that an individual has with themselves, okay? With themselves only, right? Now with me or with anybody else, I care... That you, when you look in the mirror, you have, you will not do something of low integrity because you don't want to disappoint yourself. Okay? That to me is the biggest, most important thing for me when it comes to business. If you don't have that, we can never be in business together in any capacity because anytime I turn my back, you will, you know, you, you won't have the integrity, right? And so that's, that's a wisdom that I've learned from business. Right. How do you tell somebody that mm-hmm. that has never been burned by a business partner? Right. How do you tell somebody mm-hmm. they, they will think, oh, well, I oh, this guy's my friend, you know, oh, you know, they won't do anything to me. They're, they're we're friends, you know, and, and, and so they, they don't have the wisdom, you know, they don't have the wisdom. So 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 the how do you convey? You can't. Okay, You can't convey wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what I've seen in athletes is that some athletes their desire to become great is so powerful that they will, they will do anything they will do. They will, if you say something, they will listen because they, 
they have no reason not to, right? And if it doesn't work, mm-hmm. then they will they won't listen anymore, you know. But if it works, mm-hmm. then that's a well of good knowledge, and that that should you know you should listen to more, right? Um, w- one thing I want to make sure that uh, is clear here is that why wisdom and having experience is, is so important is because a lot of times you can give advice. And, and when I say people don't listen, I don't mean that they, they don't try to listen. A lot of people will try to listen, right? They'll be like, Oh, okay. I hear what you're saying. And then they'll go out and do the thing that you tell them to do. Right. But they didn't hear you. They didn't understand you. They didn't understand what you were trying to say. They were, they heard the uh, kind of like the, the how to, Right. But if you don't understand deeply why something is done for the way it is, the advice is, 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 is useless. Right. If you if you only have advice, but not the wisdom behind the advice, like as in you don't know why. Right. There's so many things I could tell you right now, even Tim, that could just be like, you know, do this and you'll be successful. Right. But if you don't understand why, then then doing it, it may create some. Yeah temporary success but it will not it will not change your your dna it won't change your you know it's not in your blood it's not in your bones it just tomorrow it will be mm-hmm. gone you know so and you so that's really also can't apply it no you yeah. can't apply it you don't understand it how could you mm-hmm. you, know, you you exactly. you you know it so far as you can regurgitate it that's not useful yeah so is then the goal in order to create a great athlete to give him as much per, as much of personal experience as early as possible so is that the cue to give him like as much as much experience as possible forever in order for him to grow and develop his own wisdom i mean i haven't thought of a, a an exact way to replicate like how to do that but i mean there are some characteristics of a person who who has i guess the the foundation set up for greatness right and those things are um let me just think real quick about them they are not things that uh are are too uncommon but but they have to be sincere so an example is um here's one is outrage okay a a a, a an athlete that's elite high world class you cannot have outrage okay the outrage what i mean by outrage is like if a coach tells you something right and and your response is a reactive type of response like oh no i don't want to do it that way i've always done it this way that it's not even that you're wrong you could be right in your outrage it's it's just the it's just the idea of having outrage means that you you have most people that have that react with outrage right they are reacting that way because of some misunderstanding of the reality right because if i told you something and and you react with with outrage you you, you haven't even listened to the thing that i said you know you're 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 you're, you're basing your, your reaction off speaking. of exactly and that's really what i'm trying to say is that the the world class mm-hmm. the one of the checkpoints that they have in, in a world class they don't have ego when it comes to um those types of things like their ego is the best they, they want to be the best in the world that's their ego their ego wants that that's yeah. ultimate satisfaction yeah. 
ultimate satisfaction is not them proving you wrong on the internet or them saying, oh, you, they want to one up you in the training room because that, that, that's not, that, that's not, even if they were to do that, that would be a, some fun thing to do on the side. That's not important. You know, it, when we're talking, we're talking about world-class people, right? Because they care about the ultimate and the ultimate is being the greatest of all time. You know, that, that takes precedence over the, uh, the short-term ego satisfaction. So disenfranchising your ego, th these are not even things that I have to tell world-class athletes. It, they, they don't have an ego from the day I make, meet them. You know, they're, they're all about, um, they will say, how do I get better? They'll say that, but that's not what they mean. What they mean is how do I become the greatest? That's really what they mean. You know, how most mm. normal people say, how do I get better is how I get better. Okay. But when world-class people say, how do I get better? Deep down, they, they, they don't really mean, how do I get better? They mean like, how do I become world number one? How do I be the greatest of all time? You know, the, the, those are, this is a different way, different and deeper understanding. Um, another characteristic besides the ego thing is, is a, um, I would say they, they don't come to the, to the game looking to fill holes in their life. So the people that I've trained that are, are truly world-class, they will not come to a, a, a uh, MMA fight, for example, right? And they, they won't think like, oh, you know, if I could just win one more thing, you know, if I could just win this match, then, you know, people will respect me. You know, that, that's not the, the approach that the, the world class and the people that are of high level, high caliber in, in a sport like MMA think. They, they don't think in terms of that. They think more in terms of like, you know, I love this. This is, you know, I'm going to be champion one day. You know, this is just one stop and the next stop will, will take me closer. And maybe I lose the fight and it, but I'm never going backwards. You know, it's always a bump in the road and, and you know, the trajectory is always up. You know, it's a yeah. um, world-class people. They have a different approach when it comes to um, just just how these outcomes affect them. You know, and so mm -hmm. uh, yeah, another another characteristic is, is that is that they see the big picture. They're they're in it for the long, long game, not for the short game of you know what what satisfies them tonight. It's more of what what will my legacy leave? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Do you know? Do you think people have to be almost like spiritual in order to come to that level? Because if someone is like very driven by materialistic things and like um, approval by society, can they even become that great? Because they will be satisfied somewhere on the along the way, right? It takes some crazy person, yeah. someone who is like in for legacy, in for like some spiritual almost accomplishment to be like really, really great. Uh, you, you could be great at the materialistic thing. I feel like if, if, if the materialistic thing is an accumulation type of thing, um, if that's really your true desire, you know, the people that people that make like, you know, a billion dollars, for example, right. They have the desire to make a billion dollars. Like that's in their mind. You don't, you don't make a billion dollars by mistake. Okay. It's, it's otherwise there'd be a lot of billion dollars, sure. you know, It's very, very yeah. hard. So, but what you said, the second thing is actually more likely to stifle you because at least materialistic thing is real, right? At least 
that pursuit of money, for example, is, is re, you know, money it has, has, a, has a materialistic worth, you know, has a value. The, the problems that, that I see usually come from the second thing you said, which is um, people who, who are very social generally don't become great at anything. That's just how you, you can just look at the evidence, right? Greatness is usually built in solitude. You know, it's done practicing alone. It's what you do when nobody's watching, you know, art. That's really where greatness comes from. It's art. Art is done in isolation. It's not done in a public setting in front of a hundred people that are watching you while you, you know, are competing with another. It's, it's done in isolation. And so social, you know, this is, this is a broader topic, not just for athletes, but generally social groupies are too beholden to the opinions of others to become great at anything. You know, if you, if you need approval or validation from a group, how could you be yourself? You know, you can't be yourself. Mm -hmm. And so by effect, you are a copy of something, right? And so if you're a copy of another thing in the group, then you too will just be two mediocre things in a group. And it won't just be two of you. It'll be two million of you in the same exact, that's why everybody's the same. You know, you look around society, everybody is the same, you know, but you know, who's different. The people that are great at their approach or their pursuit, they are different. They approach things differently and they are truly different in, in, in a measurable way. You, you, you could say that about any uh, athlete that's, you know, top ranked. You can't find another one of them, right? If you can't find another one of them, that means that copying their behavior, copying their workout routine, copying anything about them, you'll fail. You can't, you can't do it. Right. So I, I hate these morning routines and, and things like that for, for performance, because that, that's just not you, you're not going to be Michael Jordan because you copied his behavior. OK, you can do everything that Michael did, everything. You can spend double the amount of time Michael did. But you know what you can't copy is Michael's desire. You can't copy Michael's sincerity. You can't copy Michael's drive. You can't copy Michael's art and, and those things. The harder you try, the worse you, you will you will be if you try to copy. And that's why you have to approach it from a, a mindset of uniqueness. You know, it, it, it's not that you you set out to be unique. It's that if you know that copying others, exactly. If you know that copying others will only give you mediocre results, then you won't copy others. Right. And by effect, not copying others, you've a, you've at least avoided one trap, which is the trap that everybody falls for, which is copying, and which is why people create Instagram is to copy exercises that other people make. You know, it, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, that kind of brings us full yeah. circle to the why I, uh, I have made a turn in, in, in recent years. Yeah. And it's also so much more fun, I feel like, like if you have this one life. Why won't you just experience it as you and be you instead of trying to yeah. be something, you know? Well, because, because, uh, you know, I'm guilty of that. I'm, I'm obviously guilty of that in, in, in uh, my, my previous uh, just ways of thinking. And, and I'll tell you the reason for that is because um, you're never good enough. 
you, you feel you're never good enough. You feel that you need you need the validation from the from the crowd or from the group. So, you know, if you ask me why did I need that, it's because I didn't understand how things worked back then. I didn't understand how if you told me, Ben, here's evidence, all great, all the greats, they don't copy, but you are copying, you know, whoever, you know, I was copying, you know, uh, I guess Mike Boyle was somebody I definitely copied when I was uh, young, you know, strength coach for the, for the uh, Red Sox. And so, you know, nothing wrong with that, but, but you're not going to be a great coach doing that. Just like Michael wouldn't be a great coach or wouldn't be a great shooter copying, you know, Jerry West, you know, it just, it just, that's not how things work. So, yeah. I think if you are copying because there's a clear market or there's an indication for that this thing is valuable, you might just be, you might just want to be valuable, which is, I don't think it's yes. a bad thing per se, but then no. recognize that if you are you, you're more vulnerable, but you're also more valuable if you produce something of value, but you might not, right? You might just suck, but then that's on you. So you have to live with that. You just suck. So you can't produce anything of value, but if you can you did it right because then there's no copy even if you if you suck and you produce something of no value it ain't gonna always be that way the person that's sincere in always creating uh something unique i mean look at the great artists you know picasso right like this guy this guy's art was ridiculed you know so so mm. i don't even think it's a bad idea mm. to start right now Right. It's not, who knows, you know, there's people out there who probably thought bodybuilding was like the most insane shit ever. Right. And now bodybuilding is like <laughs> is. a thing. I, I think it's insane. I still think yeah. it's insane. I'm thinking, what are you nuts? Like you're not, you're not doing nothing, but, but you're, you're like showing off these things. And I think it's ridiculous, but who am I to, to judge? I don't judge them. I think, I think bodybuilders mm. are incredible, you know? So, so yeah, I'm not no, judging. I them. think it it's is just that, uh, Yeah, sorry, is this an insane way to yeah. live? That's what I want to say. I think it's like oh, yeah, beyond yeah. like beyond normal or beyond sanity that someone puts yeah. in these like crazy workout schedules, goes up in the middle of the night to eat protein, then go on the yeah. stationary bike so his heart doesn't collapse. It's yeah, it's all crazy. for what? All for what? All for pat yeah. on the back. Mm. Right? And so yeah. And so mm. to me it's insane. But then you know what I you know what what what's my pat on the back? is you know truth is is just you know me me to for me it's like how things work I, i need to know how um if if anderson silva came to me in his prime how i could make anderson silva one percent better than anderson silva would have been without me that that's how that's what i want to know you know that that pursuit is, is what i want i want to know for sure that if anderson silva came to me that i wouldn't decrease his performance by five percent you know Because that that bothers me. Because that yeah. that that stuff I've felt yeah. in the past might I might have done, and, and I think a lot of coaches do right now, and they don't even realize it. Mm. Yeah. Do you think anyone has everyone has to find their own truth in order to have something to aspire to be? Uh, it depends on what you mean by truth. Do you mean like their everyone has to find their own uh, like pursuit? Or what, what yeah, they something, want to do in something life. they truly believe is real. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's that sounds abstract, but okay, let's um, 
my first kind of career before I went into medicine, I'm in the field of medicine now, was in business, okay, in finance. But I found as I was maturing a little bit that finance is a very unreal thing because there's no meaning behind it. It is man-made. It is fictional. There's a lot of belief and a lot of manipulation and monopolies. So what for me is real, the only thing for me which is really real is the human body itself, this like physiological system and the way I can improve my movement, the way I can improve maybe the nutrients I'm taking in so to be to feel better, to experience more consciousness, so you could say. Um, how I can perfectly align myself with that system here to live like humans meant to live, you know. I want to find out, like, what is it that I'm supposed to do by my biology? What does my body want from me, so to speak, in order to be fully healthy? That's what I'm really interested in. That's kind of my, my truth. But if I wouldn't yeah, have yeah. that, I would be just stranded going to from career to career or living some job because of the benefits. So that's what I mean by truth, you know. Yeah, you're 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 talking about just your purpose, I guess. Your your what 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 excites mm, you. Could, what what your what your desire really is. And and um yeah, that's the hard part in in any uh human's life is is they most humans they'll do this. They'll 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 have an idea of what they should do, right? And then they'll they'll pursue that and and then they will be unhappy or unfulfilled because that's not what they really wanted. That's what they were told they should want. And, and, you know, that, that's what they, or maybe it's something that, that because they, they think they need to make a living everybody has to make a living. That's the easiest way to make a living. And then, you know, they can spend all their free time doing whatever it is that they actually want to do. And, and that, that's, that's what I usually will tell people is that if you're, whatever you spend, the most amount of time doing in your life, this is hard conversation to have with people. The thing you spend the most time doing in your life right now, whatever it is, okay, that's your, that's probably your greatest desire. All right. And, and what, if it's something unproductive, then it's something unproductive. That's your greatest desire. That's what you want to do. And, and so it, it's a wonderful thing when you realize, Oh shoot, I've been spending all this time, um, you know, uh, it's actually how I got into training is, is I spent all this time training myself. I was just like, I was obsessed with like performance in myself and, you know, I, building muscle hypertrophy. I was obsessed with all of these things. Right. And then I was like, Hey, you know, I could make money. And then, you know, it just, it got kind of naturally kind of progressed in, in, in that way. Right. Um, but I don't really train people for, for, for money. I've never done it for money, I guess, which is why I've, built a pretty successful career you know i i, I do charge people a, a lot of money but but i like i don't i don't show up at the client's house for example i had two clients this morning i don't show up at their house and, and and like oh you know this is just one hour that that i uh i have to spend here and it's just you know it's just to make money i i, I it's part of my day you know i enjoy if i didn't have that i would like almost like want it without being paid for it because it, it's just something that i enjoy doing and and that thing is is hard to explain to people in society because in society mm -hmm. we don't do those things you know we're usually told oh you know you need to be a x you need to be a lawyer doctor you know you need to have a you know work for a corporation you need health insurance you know you need these things um but so so most of society 
not most, I would say virtually everyone in society is mediocre because of that. It's because everybody's pursuing uh, ulterior motives. You know, everybody has a job in a way that helps them make a living. And you have seemed to have found something in your life that you you truly care about. And you are probably doing that more uh, when you were not in the field than, you know, than you were even your, your job, right? That That's why you found it. That's why you found it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have... You know, th- these things don't happen by by chance. You know, it's pursuits. Yeah, it's why didn't you take right. up? Yeah, it's it's a search. But why didn't you take up? You know, you know, I don't know, knitting or something. Why, why didn't you take up any of those? Why? why? Because the, the, you don't spend any time doing those things. You know, so mm. yeah, that's what society is. Yeah. The society is is mediocre. It's mediocre, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But greatness does not come from being mediocre. You know, it comes from mm-hmm being unique yeah and you pay a price for it as well right it's not that like this is such a beautiful fairy tale you find your purpose and then you walk down this glory road yeah it's probably way more difficult than just staying at a job or working for an industry which is kind of like technology or computer science where you have relatively great job prospects um, if you want to do, if you want to live the life of an, I would say it's the life of an artist, so to speak. Yeah, it is. You'll be alone. Be art. Mm. Yeah, and you'll you, be alone. You might die alone and poor. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, and there are well, you, you, a lot you, of examples. You will, you will be lonely when you, when you seek the truth in anything, you will be going away from the masses. You will be going away from society. You will be going away from the the conventional right that's why when you look at my instagram page for example i don't think many strength conditioning coaches or generally coaches pages like mine because mm-hmm. i'm not following a, a blueprint there's no there's no money i'm not selling anything you know i'm really what i'm selling is i'm selling uh to myself how how to live and and, and instagram is more of for me a uh, a, a, a diary or a, a journal. And if somebody learns something like, like you maybe have learned a few things, it's a great thing. You know, it's a great thing. Um, but, but I'm not here to really teach you. I'm more showing you, um, what, what I do. And then by osmosis, you, you, you can absorb it. You can, it's giving you the permission to maybe see it in your own life. And then that's how I think information has to be conveyed. You know, it's not a, do five of this, do eight of these and do 10 of those, that'll never work. It's about seeing something in somebody else that you would like to see in yourself. And by osmosis, you decide to incorporate it in, in your own life. Like that's, that's really how advice and, and, and wisdom is transferred. Yeah. And you also, as you said, you are transferring wisdom, which is very valuable because it is not cookie cutter. It is something uniquely your perspective, which then people like myself find very valuable because this is something like someone had to dig and like go their own path in order to like, you know, get that diamond of wisdom. And then he can yeah, share. You have to world. know, you have to, there are some ultimate truths and things that are just universally true, but, but every situation is going to have a truth, right? So in my business situations, for example, I can't really say, okay, this is how every business situation is going to be, but, but that was how my business situation was. But, you know, what, what, what these things also help is when, when you get to like the ultimate 
truth in, in, in the matter of whatever it is, right? So I can give you a few. It's, uh, for example, like all conflict, right? All conflicts that we have in our life is all self-conflict. It's all mm-hmm. conflict mm-hmm. with ourselves, right? So, so that's an example of, of a, a truth, right? That's, that's not, you cannot disprove that, right? Because that, that any, any example, contrarian example you make, it doesn't, that ship doesn't sail. It just, it, it stops at all conflict is self-conflict, right? Without you, if you are the one having the problem, it's your problem, you know? And so like those things, I can kind of, I can kind of write and then, you know, maybe somebody reads and then they read it. They're like, Oh, that's, that's true. You know, but they can't, they can't absorb that information without having gone through some experience that t- tells them, Oh, that's, that's true because I've lived this. There's no yeah. randomized control trial. I could give you be like, you know, all conflict, self conflict Here's the scientific method. It doesn't work that way. That's, that's, it's personal. Right. So, but then once you've gone through, let's say five different, the reason I got to that is because I, I went through probably five different business and personal conflicts in the course of three years and they were all the same. So, so mm-hmm. if I experience all of those things, what's the common denominator in all those things? Me, right? So if, mm-hmm. if, if I'm in that situation, then all conflict is self-conflict. That's, that's just, that's wisdom, right? I try to convey those things. Um, but like I said, you can't give advice to people. Those are things that, um, it's like what, what I'm hoping, but, but, but not really setting out to do is that somebody will somebody. read it on the right yep. day at the right time and during the right moment. And, and that will hit hard. And, and that when that hits and it hits them hard, that will, that will break the tether that, that connects them to the problem that they're having. And then mm-hmm. that is, uh, that makes me feel good because that's my ego saying like I did something, you know, and, and, but, but it's hard for me to, but, but it's hard for me to say that outright in the beginning of the post, right? Like if I say, Hey guys, I'm going to help you out, make your life better by telling you these three steps to make your life better. N- n- nobody that's just disingenuous. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's also, re- it's kind of repelling, right? Like if you read it, it's kind of like it instantly kind of repels you from the wisdom. Yeah, you're selling something. You're selling mm. something. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, se- you notice that I don't sell anything, which, which uh, probably decreases and also increases my popularity, which is, you know, it's, it's the, yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right, Ben. Um, was very, very interesting to talk to you. Um, normally, I like to leave with one question. And that would be yeah. that when you have the chance, and we always grow older, we grow wiser. If you could go back in time, you have a phone call with your 20-year-old self, and you have five minutes on the phone with him. Is there anything particular you would tell him going forward? No. Um, I'll tell you the reason why. The, the, the reason is because, like why I said you can't tell people what to do, you can't give them advice. My 20-year-old self, no matter what I did, other than showing them the movie of the rest of my life, which would be kind of cheating, right? Because then, you know, then you're not be, telling. That would be a mindfuck, yeah. Yeah, that would be a crazy thing. If I were, if I were to just tell my 20-year-old self, um, 
I don't even think my 20-year-old self would listen to my 37-year-old self. Even if I knew at 20 that it was my 37-year-old self (laughs) talking to my 20-year-old self. That's how... That's how much I understand human nature and my own nature, that mm. it would be pointless. So the only thing I would tell, uh, uh, the only thing that matters here is is that I, I don't really think about like what I would tell my previous self because, because I think a better answer, a more practical answer for you is, is what I think of the past in general. I think that would help, you know, you and your audience and people who would listen to this more is my general thoughts of the past is that most of our problems in our present day come from us thinking about what we did in the past or what we could have done in the past. And so I would rather, uh, if, if there was one thing I could tell my, my 20 year old self, I would just say this and it probably won't hit, but it would at least be the truth. I would just say, look, the past doesn't matter. Past doesn't exist. You can't go back. Okay. You can't go back. So right now you at 20, so me at 20, you're probably thinking about what you did wrong at 15. Right. So let me tell you this. Okay. I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future because you, you won't understand, but I can tell you that I can only tell you of what you've experienced in your own life. Okay. And I can tell you that at 15, you did this, this, and this. And you probably feel this, this, and this, and none of that matters. Okay, I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you did okay? because the past doesn't exist. You can't go back there and dwelling upon the past is a waste of time because the only thing that exists is now. That's it. That's the only thing that exists. Okay, and I'm, I'm talking literally. I'm not talking about like figuratively or this is literally the only thing that exists is right now. If we had a picture of us, you know, in the past, in this, in me, in the same room, right? That moment is gone. Okay, I don't care about that moment because that moment you can't go back unless time machine gets invented, and even then it wouldn't be the same you anyway. So it doesn't matter. So, so the, the thing I would tell my twenty-year-old self is exactly that: that the past doesn't exist. Uh, the only thing that you can get from the past is suffering. And the lessons that you needed to learn from the past are usually learned automatically, as in you have already changed in the way that you needed to change based on the past, because that's just how things work. You know, you don't you don't look at the past and be like, oh, I should have done this and this and this and this, and then you change, right? That doesn't work that way. It's more of the shit in the past happened, you changed automatically, and then you're the way you are now. Um, because of those experiences. That's really how things work. And so that's what I would tell my my 20-year-old self, uh, past doesn't exist.